I didn't always go to church, but when I was a kid and started going to church, they started saying things to me like, you got to read your Bible. Read your Bible every day. And here's the thing, I took to it. When I started going to church, I bought into the idea that God made me and God loves me and that God has a way for my life. And so I said, okay. And so I said, I'm going to try to read this thing. I didn't know where to begin. So my grandfather has Italian heritage, or at least we thought until we did Ancestor.com, but that's not the point. So because I was really happy about his Italian background, I said, I'll read the book of Romans. Which is not even an easy book to read now. And I didn't know what I was getting into, so I tried another book, and I, I chose the book of Acts. Do you want to know why I chose the book of Acts? Because I wanted to be an actor. <laughs> Silly reasons for choosing books, but you have to start somewhere. And I got a bit superstitious about the Bible, frankly. To me, it was this magical book that had meaning for my life. Now, I still believe that, but I thought, if I just open it up and point, God was going to say something to me. And so I would lay in my bedroom in bed at night, and I'd open it up, and I'd read about, and Mary begat Stephen, and Stephen begat Susie, and... Oh, I must have done it wrong. Help me, God. And I'd go to another passage of Scripture, and I'd read about the Amalekites, and the Jebusites, and the Perizzites, and the Spamites. That last one's made up. If you don't know that, you need to read your Bible. Didn't really work that way for me, but I was real superstitious about it. I, I, I would lay in bed, and I didn't have a bedside table, so if I had books, I would stack them up so I could put the Bible on it so the Bible wouldn't touch the ground. And my first Bible was this really poorly constructed pleather one. I didn't even have the nice leather-bound book. It was pleather, and so the binding started coming off. And I had gotten a few other Bibles in my collection at that point in time, but I was so superstitious, I couldn't just throw it away. What do you do? This is a holy book. And the church told me we're people of the book. What's that mean? Well, it means that there's something about that book that is instructive and authoritative. It's something about that book or that collection of books, that library is supposed to shape me. People of the book. There's a lot of hard things that have been said about it. There's a lot of different points of view about it, frankly. I'll never forget in, in seminary when Stanley Grenz, an evangelical theologian, came out with his new, his new systematic theology text. Now, I know I'm talking about inside ballgame here, but systematic theology is a way of systematizing doctrines and theological ideas, usually logically, and it engages history and philosophy and the world we're in. My PhD is in systematic theology. Well, most conservative evangelical systematic theologies began with the doctrine of the Bible because that's where you get the basis of your doctrines. When he came out, he got in a lot of hot water with his evangelical friends. I remember being at conferences where people would debate about it because Gren said, well, if we think we know something about the Bible, we think it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so shouldn't we start with the doctrine of God? And then the Spirit? And then the Bible? People have a lot of different points of view 
about the Bible, and it's not always an easy conversation. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why do we call it the Word of God, for instance? I know we hear it. Have you been in the Word today? Has anyone ever asked you that question? Have you ever said to somebody, have you been in the Word? I've said that. What do we mean by calling the Bible the Word of God? See, I was reading the Bible the other day, and it came upon the Gospel, the Gospel of John, and in it the Word of God is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and all things were created through the Word. The Word was Jesus. So how are we taking a collection of books written over a lot of period of time and calling it the Word of God? Well, Lutheran theology would suggest that the Word of God is most primarily Jesus, and then secondarily, the spoken Word, and then thirdly, the Scriptures. And the reason why is because the Scriptures are supposed to reveal Jesus to us. In fact, a lot of ancient church fathers would say Christ is the key to unlocking the meaning of the Scriptures, even Scriptures that don't seem to have anything to do with Jesus, like the Scriptures that talk about Jebusites and Perizzites and the Spamites. There's a lot of difficult things we have to negotiate if we want to get our mind around this text that is so important to the foundation of Western civilization, let alone my faith in yours. Like, when we think about the Old Testament people of God, we tend to think that they had the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, or maybe you just want to call it the First Testament, what have you. And we tend to think of it as being a collection of books, because that's how we have it in our pew right in front of us. But there was no bound collection of books in that time. There were scrolls. And to complicate matters, by the way, I hope, I hope to make you chew on things this week, so I'm going to hope to do that. So, here's a tough one. Not every synagogue had all the same scrolls. One Old Testament scholar thinks that it's really likely that Jesus thought of the books that we call the Apocrypha, proper Bible, that he would have read these as texts since he was a little boy in church. Now, a lot of Protestant Bibles don't have the Apocrypha, why is that? Well, by the time of the Protestant Reformation, the Jewish friends in the world decided to bind together their texts, and they said the Apocrypha was secondary, so they removed it, and therefore the Reformers said, if it's good enough for our Jewish friends, then it's good enough for us. Although they knew the Apocrypha really well. You can't read Calvin and Luther without understanding that they knew the Apocrypha incredibly well. Hmm. What is this book? And how did it come to be? And to answer my friend's question, was it put together for some people to have power over other people? Were some books not counted? You know the ones I'm talking about. They're often found in movies like The Da Vinci Code. Well, we went through a period of canonization. The word canon comes from this other word in an ancient language that means measuring rod or measuring stick. A canon is a standard by which things are measured. And it makes sense because if the Bible's our rule of faith, if it's authoritative, inspired by God, if it's got the Word of God wrapped up in it, then that becomes the measuring rod for our own life. It has the teaching that takes us close to the heart of God. So, 
there was a period of time where they worked on this together, the ancient church, and they called it canonization of the Bible. And what they did was they were really conservative about it all. They took the letters from, they took what was known as Old Testament scripture, what we know as Old Testament scripture, and then they took these New Testament letters that people like St. Paul would write to the church at Rome or to his disciple Timothy. We read texts from each. And what they noticed is all around the known Christian world, wherever Christianity has shined its bright sunlight, and then it would look and see what the people in the churches were studying and clinging on to. Because there were other letters. There were other letters that some people questioned. Maybe those other letters were inspired. But if they weren't in wide circulation, if they were not written not by somebody who knew Jesus or was an immediate disciple of a disciple, then they did not make it in. Oh, and the question, is the canon, the tradition of the canon meant for some to have authority and power over others? No. The church didn't have any power until at least the time of Constantine. In this day and time, people died at the hands of the state because of their faith. It wasn't about power. The Bible wasn't telling you have power over anybody. The point of this canon, the point of these scriptures, the point of the library that's sitting right in front of you, the point of it is that it's to point you closer to God. It's to open your heart to the heart of God. I once had a pastor t or a professor tell me, long bonds, when you read the Bible, we re you find the Bible reading you. Why wouldn't it if it's inspired by the Holy Spirit? When you read the Bible, you find the Bible reading you because it pierces right into the center of the human heart, knows the human well, and it's calling you. Its texts are calling you to the holiness of God, to the community of Christ. Hmm. I don't know that I've clarified anybody's doubt about trusting that those are all the books or whatnot, but I can tell you that through history, there's never been a book like it. In the New Testament texts, they were written so close to the actual life of Jesus. We have books about the Buddha. We have books about other religious leaders that were written thousands of years after the time. These books are written by the men and women, the peer, they're shaped by the men and women who followed after the path of Jesus. Reliable, trustworthy, Worth your time struggling over what it says. D. Stone, Reverend D. Stone talks about a woman who is a member of this church that I never met named Marsha Lockwood. Apparently, they were in a shared Sunday school class. And Marsha would come upon a text every now and again and go, I don't think I've ever read that before. You see, she probably had, but that's the way the Bible works. Just because you read something when you're 22 doesn't mean it's going to resonate in the same way when you're 32 because the Bible itself will go with you in life. You will encounter new experiences. You will go through more difficulties. You will celebrate new celebrations. And the world, the questions that it asks changes as well. And if you go with the text and you let the Spirit speak through the text, it will go with you, taking you into deeper and deeper truths. I invite you today to keep reading, 
I invite you today to read it. I invite you today to let it work on you. So we find that we read the Bible, we find it reading us. And when you don't get it, remember the words of St. Paul here. Scriptures are for encouragement and they provide hope. It equips you for the work of God. Keep reading. Keep letting it work on you. Bless you.